Welcome to the Broadway show Uncut, There's No Place Like Home. For the first time in more than 40 years, the Tony-winning musical The Wiz is coming back to Broadway in the spring of 2024, but not before setting out on a national tour. Paul Wontorek had a chance to sit down with the director of The Wiz, Shelley Williams. Shelley, so happy to see you. You are the woman who is going to help bring The Wiz, one of my favorite musicals, back to Broadway after almost 45 years. That's insane that this beautiful musical has been gone for so long. Yes. How does it feel for you to even just process that statement? I feel so honored, more than anything. I feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world, and I'm excited. Yeah. Like, you know, when you're marking your calendar every day to the first day of rehearsal, I cannot wait to share this beautiful story again with people who love it, like you, Mm -hmm. and to introduce it to new generations. Let's sort of set up for people. Everyone knows what The Wiz is. Mm -hmm. Um, It's obviously a musical that was a big hit on Broadway originally. There's a movie version that people know really well. Uh, It's produced all the time regionally in schools, you know, it's a very popular title. It's a great score. Can you kind of set up though the initial, I don't know if people really understand the initial impact when this show landed on Broadway. It was big. It was seismic. Yeah, seismic. Um, It's interesting because when the show first opened, there wasn't a lot of confidence that it was going to be lasting, right? Right. And then that commercial came out and that ba-dum, bum, ba-dum. It took two seconds for people to go, what was that? It was like, and then the ticket started selling. And then they never stopped because the music is so infectious that you sit down in your seat and it is a joyful experience from the moment the lights go out. And that kind of joy is what I'm most excited about because we need it so badly. And what the theater can do when you have 1,200 people in a room laughing together. It's an emotional experience just doing a read-through of the script, so I can't wait to bring it to audiences all over the country and then back home to New York. And a real word-of-mouth hit, you know what I mean? It's it's definitely one of those shows that the people decided they wanted this, which I love. It's also, you know, a show where black people were like, oh, this is us. Uh Uh-huh. So it brought a new audience Representation that they hadn't really seen much of at that point. Yeah, an authentic representation. Not just black people on stage, but real authentic representation. Stephanie Mills' voice did not sound like it had come out of a conservatory. She sounded like she came out of church. Wow, yeah. And, And that sound, that, you know, what Jeffrey Holder did in his direction and his costumes, it's like, that's us. George Faison's choreography showed the world that black bodies can do all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. It was the first time, you know, I saw contemporary dance on black bodies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A real elevation of what I had seen. I was so happy for Soul Train and like seeing that growing up yeah. on TV. I knew that we could do that. I didn't know we could do that. Mm. So the whiz taught me so much about my blackness at a young age when I saw it in Dayton, Ohio. And then I saw what looked to me like a little girl, although she was she was older than me. I mean, I was like, I don't know, six, seven years old when I saw yeah. it. But I saw myself. Uh-huh. And although we went to go see all the touring shows, um, yeah. this first time I saw me on stage. 
And that was exciting. You know, I actually got to see the 90s tour. So I saw Stephanie Mills and Andre DeShields when they went back and did it. I saw it at the Beacon Theater. Amazing. My friend Al said, you need to see this. Mm -hmm. I knew the movie. He's like, no, 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 you need to see this. Yeah. And we went, I have never seen a reaction from an audience. I still don't know if I genuinely have. I mean, literally standing on seats when Stephanie Mills sang Home. Was, I dare you not to, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I hear her sing that now, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, what I is know. happening? I know. The score is incredible. But one thing that blew my mind about that production that I didn't realize is, because I knew the movie growing mm -hmm. up, right? Yeah. So I was so surprised when it started, and it was in Kansas on a farm, and it was like The Wizard of Oz, but the characters were black. Yeah. Whereas, because, you know, in the movie, it's very much it's yes. modern. It's the 70s. Diana Ross is in an apartment in Queens or something. You know, yeah, yeah, very totally. different. Yeah. So it's interesting. The, the initial idea of it was very faithful to what The Wizard of Oz is. Mm -hmm. But like you said, putting it on black bodies and a, and a lot of black creatives behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about where how you're sort of looking at it now. It's a beloved title. People know The Wizard of Oz. Obviously, they know The Wiz. Um, many years have passed. We're in a different point in the world. Mm -hmm. How are you sort of, what's your entry point for a vision for this new production? My entry point are my two girls. I have a 13-year-old and a 12-year-old. Mm -hmm. And when I started the show a couple years ago, I kept thinking about what are they looking to see when they see Dorothy? And when I read the script, you know, which is, it, it's so hard to read the script and not like hear all the music and get caught up, but I actually just really read the script. And what I saw was a girl who was seeking belonging, who felt like she didn't fit in where she was. Right. And she gets put on an adventure where she has to go beyond her comfort zone. And she finds her tribe. And every person that she finds is a little quirky. Yeah. And they're all kind of seeking their own sense of belonging. And they have challenges that they face. And they have to face their fears. And they have to overcome. And then they meet someone who's like, I can fix everything for you. <laughs> right? Yeah. But what they realize is they have to solve their own problems. They have to be brave. They have to learn how to rely on each other. And at the end of the story, she learns that she must believe in herself. And she is exactly where she needs to be, and she has exactly what she needs to have, and she has great purpose. And when I saw that in the story, I was like, oh, that's a gift to my daughters. This is a black girl who has to figure it out. And I'm excited to tell that story to her. And that's, that was my way in. You know, one of the things that uh, we've changed about the production in the way that it's traditionally been done is that the Scarecrow, Lion, and Tin Man, it was really important for me that they were her peers. Usually they're like her uncles, right? right. But, but I wanted her to navigate the world with her friends. Mm. Because I feel like young people today really do have to find their tribe, especially when they're a little different in some way. And they have to find people that accept their differences and love them and celebrate them and grow with them. So I was really excited for them to all kind of be on a level playing field mm -hmm. and for them to all grow on this adventure. I love that. You gave me chills. I can't wait. 
I can't wait to see this. You're going to see me in every tour stop. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to be You're a like, group for the Paul's here. I love it. I think when it originally wasn't the Wizard originally called the Super Soul, the Wizard of Oz. Wasn't that like the subtitle, yeah, right? Yeah. It was literally the Super Soul. Was that, that was sort of the setup. It was like we're telling the Wizard of Oz with funky music, right? Yeah. And and jive, right? Yeah. Jokes. I mean, that's really yeah. what it. That's really what it was. It was very of the period. Yes. It seems like there's probably an opportunity to do something that's a little broader than a very specific period. Yeah, it was I mean, 70s down, 70s, right? It was yeah. 70s. <laughs> and 70s was a really incredible time in the black movement, right? Yeah. There was like a lot of explosion of of 70s like black music. And mm. so it, it was entrenched in a time period that felt really good and really relevant. Now, you know, there's been so much influence over, you know, of blackness over culture that I really wanted this to be like a celebration of black excellence. And I wanted the show to look timeless, to feel timeless. I wanted every generation who comes to see it to see themselves inside it and to see the incredible impact that blackness has had on culture. Mm -hmm. So you're gonna hear different musical styles, you're gonna see fashion that kind of gleans from all of these different periods of time. And I'm really excited to, to show that um, broad, vast of impact, you know, that, that blackness has had on culture. So talk about some of the creatives that you're pulling into this uh, new project. Oh my gosh. So the choreographer is Jaquel Knight. And Jaquel is extraordinary storyteller. He is a culture shifter. He has been doing work with Beyonce for years and Megan the Stallion. And you I'm know, sorry, there's who? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> got it. Okay. And there's just not, you know, when you think of someone who is really shifting culture from a dance perspective, yeah. it's him. He loves the whiz. I was gonna ask you, like, oh. do you find that people are when you reach out to people, yeah. have they been excited? What? I mean, I feel like most uh, black creative people. This is part. This is part of their their, oh. their creative upbringing, right? The Wiz. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's the reason why they're even in the business. Yeah. You know, if you're of a certain age, yeah, that was the only way you saw yourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't see black movies, right? Especially not black fantasy movies. Mm. I didn't know that black girls had dreams. It wasn't in my books. It wasn't in school. So the idea of The Wiz, the movie, had incredible impact on all of us. Mm -hmm. And then to have stars like Michael Jackson and Diana Ross yeah. just gave it more cachet yeah. and said, we belong, right? But then that was kind of it, right? It was not like something that followed that. It didn't start a wave right. of... Right. So we've held on to that very tightly. Those of us who did get to see the show live had that experience mm -hmm. of it. It was interesting when I, you know, sat down to talk with Jaquelle. In my mind, you know, my own bias of like someone who's like a superstar and works with all these superstars is that he was gonna be like, yeah, 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 theater, I'll fit it in. He was like, I will cancel everything. Wow. This show is everything to me. And I was like, you know, there's a little financial difference between like a Beyonce tour and a Broadway show. He was like, this is everything. And there is not a time, like right now he's in Europe, you know, doing a huge stars production. And there is not a time that I call him that he's not like, Shell, what's up? What, you know, and, and 
100% in it yeah. because he understands how important it is to our community. You know, when I called Hannah Beekler, who is the set designer, mm -hmm. who did, you know, Wakanda Forever, and, you know, she is just, you know, when she did Black Panther, mm -hmm. it was seismic. Her world that she created, people were like, how do I get tickets to Wakanda? Like, she created a world so real, people thought they could visit it, right? <laughs> For vacation. Hannah and I are both from Dayton, Ohio. We're the same age, and we grew up in the same theater program. Although we don't really remember like knowing each oh, wow. other, but we have these crazy Dayton, Ohio connections, and both saw the whiz at the Victory Theater growing oh, wow. up. So it's it's bananas, uh -huh. right? Hannah has created, I think, the most incredible playground for these young people to explore on this adventure of a lifetime. Sharon Davis, costume designer, who's you know coming from Hollywood, you know just unbelievable. Mia Neal, incredible. Joseph Schaubert, mm -hmm. Alan Renee Lewis. I mean, the music is in the very best hands. It is an incredible creative team. Amber Ruffin mm -hmm. has given so much heart and authenticity to the words, and we get in a room and we just laugh. It is sheer joy. Everyone comes to this piece with humility and a, a great reverence mm -hmm. because we all love it so much that when we want to do something to it, it has to be with great care. We are honoring the legends that created the opportunities for us to be here. Mm -hmm. We don't take that lightly. And you are the real Broadway girl in the mix. I mean, this is your Broadway directorial debut. You've been an assistant yes. director. Of, yes. you've, you've been working up the ranks, as yes. you do. You've been yeah. sort of getting yourself out there. Um, but, you know, the gods love Nubia from Aida. You were in Aida. I mean, you were like killing it every night. So I, I first think of you as a, a Broadway showstopper. So you, you know how to do everything when it comes to Broadway. So are you excited to bring sort of your, your Broadway know how you also know Broadway audiences, you know what audiences want, you know how to reach out to diverse audiences, I'm assuming, and how to bring in people of, you know, Broadway, you know, Broadway's a, a tough sell, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. there's a business side to this, and I feel like you're very well versed in all of this. So are you excited to maybe introduce people? You know, it's, it's great that you're getting these creative people from other worlds, but then sort of you can help them adjust their talents to what you know, and it's, it yeah. just feels like a beautiful collision of things. It, it's amazing. There, there's a couple things that I think are, are really to our advantage. One is because of the pandemic, mm. people were consuming entertainment in a much faster format. Sure. Right? Yeah. And so I deeply believe that there has to be an evolution of theater in which we are entertaining at a faster clip. We have to keep up with the way that people are used to consuming entertainment. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing to have people from television and from you know Hollywood yeah. that are storytellers and understand that so acutely. Mm -hmm. So sure. as much as I am showing them about the business, I feel like there is a real symbiotic relationship with their understanding of the entertainment industry as a mm -hmm. whole. The thing that I know in my bones and love is the magic that happens when we're all in a room. We are a one take industry. And that take has to be money. And the, in, the collaboration that is 
forced to happen in the very best way when everyone doesn't know how to finish the sentence is incredible. It's also an opportunity to rethink everything that we've always done a thousand times and say why. The thing that I love about having this moment for it to be the peak in my career is I feel like the world is actually ready for a black female director to direct a musical. Mm -hmm. That hasn't happened since the 70s. Wow. There's been one in Broadway history. Wow. So I feel like there's never a time that I could have had this moment. But perhaps the world is ready for a black woman's voice in a musical. And it's incredible that the show is about a black woman. You know, so that level of authenticity is important to me, has always been important to me, but I feel like kind of the world caught up, <laughs> but is really important for my daughters. And it keeps, you know, to me, the litmus is, am I telling the truth am I, and am I proud of the truth that I'm telling? And I do believe that audiences know the truth and you don't have to work so hard to sell it. It was written in the stars to quote Aida, that, you do, that you're doing this at this time. I mean, you're, it feels like your whole career is built up to this moment. I do feel like I am very charmed in this moment. Yeah. I do feel like a lot of the things that I've learned over the years have prepared me for this. And now I just have to you know, stay calm and focused yeah. and breathe. <laughs> and be present yeah. and be incredibly open. Okay, so which track from the original Broadway cast album is your favorite? I mean, I listen to it all the time. Which, what's your favorite Wiz track? You know what the deep cut is that's really hitting me hard? What? I mean, it, it's the song that I never thought about before because I always sing the Dorothy songs. Like, those were always my sure. like, songs, right? What I would do if I could feel. <laughs> it, it's the song that resonates so differently to hear a black man sing that mm -hmm. now. It hits me. I cry every time. I cried in everybody's audition. I cried, like it just, you know, it was kind of the song that I skipped because, you know, it wasn't the song I could belt, you know. <laughs> but it really, and I don't know if it's because I'm a little bit older or if it's because the where the yeah. world is, but... That song really does have a huge impact on me mm -hmm. in a very different way than it did. Mm -hmm. It's that final, tell me what. what? <laughs> what I, do? I mean, it's just like. So good. You know. Did you hear Josh Henry sing it? Did I? Please. I've gone down all the rabbit holes. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> so, what was it like assembling your new cast? I know this is a show everybody wants to be in. Uh, I'm sure there was a lot of interest. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the amount of emails, Instagram posts, videos from high school productions. Right. I mean, in every way. Cold phone calls that I would get, and I'm like, oh my gosh, my number's on the internet. Like The pressure. None of them were invasive. It was all yeah. from a desire of wanting to be a part of yeah. this and realizing that opportunities like this don't come along very often. You know, there was this, if I'm not a part of this, then when is this gonna happen again? And so what was surprising to me about the auditions the most was that the legendary performances, people would come in and do versions of them. Like I saw so many versions of Andre DeShields. <laughs> 
And I was like, but I want to see your version. Sure. Like it was like, I know this, like my, like it, yeah. they would sound like him. They would, and I was going, but I know you. Like it, it was really interesting, just the impact that this, this show had and getting people to find their voice inside these characters. And when the magic happened, when we were like, oh my gosh, that's the lion. Oh my gosh, that's the Tin Man, that's the Scarecrow. When all of the pieces started to fit together, it just, it was kismet. And what about running an audition room with a black creative team, and this is an all black company. Yeah. These are rare opportunities for performers to be a part of something like this. I never had that. You know, I've yeah. been in this business for 32 years. Yeah. I never had that. I never walked into a room and saw a creative team telling a story about my culture that looked like me. And that was not lost on anyone in that room. Those dance auditions were joyful, so joyful. I took a picture of Jaquel outside the audition room just before it started. And he was looking into the room and just you could see the hope, the awesomeness about of what we were about to do, that we were looking, you know, I, I always think about auditions as you're gonna be my dream come true. Right? Yeah. I was an actor for so long and all I wanted sure. to do was be someone's dream come true. And people would come in and and they would look at a room where everyone looked like them. And they knew that they weren't going for one slot, maybe two. They knew that they authentically had opportunities to fully be themselves in that space. And it would be respected. It would be cherished. It was wanted, fully wanted. You know, if I ever felt that way, I might still have been performing. Wow. Talk about the tour. So, so the Wiz is going on tour. It's going on tour. You, you're taking it, and I love this. This is this is another thing from my childhood. I feel like this used to happen so much yeah. more that you would take shows on the road first, bring them to the audiences, get them ready for Broadway. You know, and, and talk about that and why that was important to the journey of this revival. One, it's I like process. Yeah. So I never want to open cold in New York. Right. I really want to grow a show, I wanna learn about a show. And the only way to do that is with an audience. It was really important to me that we opened in a city that had a large black population. Yeah, so talk about the Hippodrome in Baltimore. I mean, oh. this is a legendary theater. This is gonna be an exciting run. Well, this is the 50th anniversary of the show having its debut there. Wow. So it's really incredible to be back in the place that first embraced the show. And to know that there will be people who saw, I mean, I've gotten emails that said, I saw it when I'm coming, I'm so excited. That's an honor. Yeah. So I can't wait to be in Baltimore. I'm grateful to the people of Baltimore for nurturing the show for the first time. And I'm really excited for them to nurture this show as we grow it, you know, over the, the five months before we come into New York. I gotta figure out a green outfit to wear that night. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be hard to find one. It's gonna be a lot of green, a lot of green. Bringing it to Broadway is is the goal, and uh, yes, I, I mean it's crazy. There have been many productions 
in my time over the last 30 years that have tried to reboot The Wiz. Yeah. And uh, this feels like this might be the one with the, the special dust on it, Glinda's special fairy dust. Yeah, yeah, it does feel like this yellow brick road has a very magical destination, and I'm, I'm so excited. That's going to do it for this week. Join us next week for another episode of the Broadway show Uncut.